Good morning. Good morning. It's my honor to be with you all today and to preach about John the Baptist, though I feel a little bit like Moses because I'm not in my full voice. And unfortunately for you all, I don't have a brother, so here I am. A voice crying in the wilderness. Today, I'm going to be like John and point because the better place for this sermon might be behind the pulpit of the French fry fryer at the McDonald's on the corner or just down Sweet and Creek Road by the hot spot at Pine Valley Trailer Park or just down Swannanoa River Road where my friends camp in the bamboo forest behind the Christmas shoppers getting the best spies. Let's lean in this morning to hear these voices in these wildernesses. Last Sunday, Mary and Joe were out front of Big Lots. She, already great with child, a newborn, strapped to her chest, covered in swaddling clothes, and a toddler lying in an umbrella stroller. They had come out of the Dollar General. We asked, how their day was going because we had known Mary and Joe for quite a while. Joseph, mad as hell, recounted how they tried to return the Christmas tree and ornaments to buy some food. They told us they were going to be evicted next week, no room in the inn. We told them to meet us at Beloved in 10 minutes and we would get them some food and we're still working on the eviction. Evicted for Christmas. Just like in Bethlehem, forces beyond their control push Mary and Joe and their children to roam the streets searching for a place to lay their heads. Voices crying out in the wilderness. I first preached the scripture as a pastoral intern the summer after my first year of seminary, but I didn't preach it from a pulpit. In fact, some of the times the best sermons are not preached from pulpits. Now, I served a small church of about 50 members who welcomed queerest folk, folks like me and lots of other people, including having a night hospitality, night hospitality ministry for men experiencing homelessness who were sick, disabled, or mentally ill. My office was the night host room, and I joked that I might be the only pastor in the country that had a bed in my office. Now, one of the guys at the night shelter, Thomas, was telling me that he wanted to witness to people and wanted more than anything to order a hundred of these amazing tracks. He pulled a slightly crumpled one out of his pocket to show me how awesome it was. Now, tracks are religious pamphlets, usually the size of a business card with multiple pages, used by Christian headhunters with the goal of getting you saved or else. Now, I, being a refugee from the Southern Baptist Church, had, up until this point, made it my personal mission to throw away said tracts anytime I saw them, because I don't think they represent the grace and love that I know in Jesus. But I really liked Thomas. He was kind and humble, not like so many of those evangelical headhunters that I knew growing up. He had a story in the midst of homelessness about how God was with him, truly with him. 
he could see the miracles and he really, more than anything, wanted to let everyone else know and feel those same kind of miracles. But this track he wanted to order was the worst, most awful track I'd ever seen. And I'd seen a lot of tracks. The lead character in this track was the Grim Reaper. And there was a whole lot of other things that were in the track that I had never read in the Bible. I tried to explain this to him, but he was determined to order these tracks. Well, me being a new pastor, I was trying to figure out what sort of character I could come up with that could compete with the Grim Reaper. Then the light bulb came on, John the Baptist. That wild and wooly guy, he wore strange clothes and he had to be tough because he ate bugs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I started telling the story of John the Baptist and how he didn't have track one, and I opened my small street Bible to the passage, our gospel reading from today, a voice crying in the wilderness. I challenged Thomas to go to the streets without tracks, to take his lone voice to the urban wilderness and tell his story instead of using the cartoons from the track. Well, his eyes got big, his chest puffed out a little bit. I had told him something radical. I told him that he had a voice. Every week at Beloved Asheville, we tell people that they have a voice. Crazy John the Baptist. When Millie called me about all the details for today, she said, I'm so glad that you are preaching on the second Sunday of Advent. You know, John the Baptist. Crazy John the Baptist. I wasn't quite sure how to take that. I must be crazy like John the Baptist. One time I took a church choir to sing at a nursing home in Canton. Your very own Deb Ramsey was in that choir, and her parents were some of the dear people that were living in that nursing home. Well, I came out of the nursing home, and I noticed this little church right across the street. In large white letters, the name of the church appeared on the brick side of the building. It was the Church of God, but the G had fallen off, so it was the Church of Odd. Now, I thought with a chuckle, that's a church I could belong to, the Church of Odd. John the Baptist would have also belonged to the Church of Odd. When people were streaming to and bending to the halls of power, politics, religion, and economy in Jerusalem, he was calling people in the opposite direction, out to the wilderness. Repent. Turn your life around. Face a different direction. All of those things feel fairly simple until you actually try them, and then you too might be deemed a card-carrying member of the Church of Odd. I was invited by some youth that I knew to a play they were in at Mars Hill College many years ago, and the play still stands out to me. The principal characters were all members of the same family living in a castle. And like all families, they had family drama. Among them was a grandmother, and she was the crazy grandmother. She always came out center stage by herself when everyone else had taken their exits, her hair all disheveled, her gown tattered, 
and she was always spouting unintelligible sentences. Well, about the middle of the play, you realize she's not crazy at all. She's actually the only one who knows everything that's really going on, all the secrets that they are trying to keep from each other. She knows the truth that can set them all free, the full truth that none of the rest of them had on their own. John the Baptist would be what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. calls an extremist for love. Now the word repent, which always to me as a kid felt like this, and hellfire and damnation, was really for John the Baptist a love affair for humanity. I want to posit a question for us today. What if the prophetic call is not just a vocation of agony, but truly a call to joy? What if John the Baptist, like crazy grandma, had it right and knows what we all really need? What is true and can invite us to the one who can heal the human family? The one that John says, I will point to. What if John the Baptist is inviting us into the healing from all the lies that make us crazy? What if he is calling us to repent, to turn around from the institutions and ways that are eating us alive? But we cannot come to the wilderness as charity, as if the voices there are the ones needing to be fixed. We must come because we are the ones who are participating in brokenness. Our privilege is killing us all. Our charity does not work in the wilderness. It will cause nothing to turn. The words of a Gangulu woman, Lila Watson, appeared on a poster slightly tattered in the hallway of the Open Door community in Atlanta, where I volunteered. If you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come here because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. She came to me out of the blue on the streets of New York City. I was 20 years old. Her name, I found out later, was Lisa. She had found her voice. I tried to scurry off and hide, but she just kept shouting, help, help me, turn around, turn, turn, turn. She kept shouting loudly until I did finally turn around, smack dab into the life that was meant for me. The Advent season reminds us that we must align ourselves backwards. Or in what the great Episcopalian theologian William Stringfellow calls Advent's inauguration of the great reversal, the great leveling, repent, the wilderness call, the voice crying out to us is actually calling for our deepest longings to be fulfilled. What if that call meant that we got everything we truly want but are afraid of because it calls us to shed the life that we have for a far better life? The voice is calling us to our best and highest selves. 
or as Dorothy Day said of the ragtag community that she created, it makes it a little easier for us to be good, to order ourselves along the priorities of heaven and to live the Advent prayer of the coming of God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes we need a homeless woman like Lisa in her full voice to spin us around. It took just $100 to become homeless in Asheville. Breast cancer stole her left breast in a country where health care is not a right. Someone else stole her money, sold her the nicest couch she had ever seen. It looked brand new, she told me. Meanwhile, this beautiful couch filled her small basement apartment with bed bugs that creaked upstairs where the elderly couple trying to stay in their owned home lived while highway expansion and tax hikes and gentrifiers were eating up the Burton Street neighborhood, nipping at their heels like hungry dogs. The elder couple, fearing more bills from Orkin and others, might follow. Dogs still chasing in this slave country after all. Told her, you gotta go. Keep your rent money. Find another place. So off to the papers and the internet and signs saying for rent, she went. You have no credit, ma'am. You don't make three times the rent, ma'am. Your skin is too dark, they silently screamed around their nose. Yes, it takes exactly $100 and a dream to become homeless in Asheville, and sometimes it takes less. Vanessa cries out to us, can we make a city where there is room enough for us all? We got our first Christmas card at Beloved on Friday. It was a beautiful Christmas tree with the words, Season of Wonder, embossed in gold calligraphy on the front. As is our tradition, I placed it on the mantle above which is our memorial wall where we have pictures of folks that we've lost to the streets. Season of Wonder sits between Heather Moore, who died about a week ago next to a dumpster, and Earl Gray, like the tea he told me, who was the keeper of Asheville's Before I Die wall. And there are more voices in the wilderness there on that wall that I lean into to listen. Ricky, who died of a heat stroke. Tammy, who got hit by a car trying to find a warm place. Charlie, who died on a park bench. I can still hear his quiet voice whispering to me, good night, sweetheart. In this season of wonder, I wonder what these voices in the wilderness might be saying to us. Beloved has this wonderful weekly gathering called Homeless Voice. Each week, people from the streets gather to work together to amplify their voices in public policy decisions that directly impact the homeless community here in Asheville and beyond, and to be the people that they have been waiting for. We created the first homeless street medic team in the country in the wake of the death of Janet Jones, who froze to death in her sleeping bag on the river last October. We got the city of Asheville to change their 20-year comprehensive plan 
We have changed the hearts and minds of city council members. We have taken on housing discrimination and voter engagement, all the while helping people to discover their own voices and their own gifts to help each other. Now I understand that you all have been wrestling with the joys and agonies of a new roof. My people too wrestle with the struggle to put a roof over their heads. And I wonder if these two struggles and dreams might be connected. Our homeless voice group is dreaming of building our own housing. See, our folks don't usually qualify for the affordable housing being built. Their incomes are far too low and their backgrounds and credit aren't the greatest sometimes. They are dreaming of building housing that is not only housing, but community. They've already named it Root Down Housing because they want to sink their roots deeply into this place that they love so much. They long for housing that is deeply affordable and focused on community sustainability, building equity for themselves and their families that is created with their own labor, joined with the hands of people whose hearts are connected to the same dream, home and community for us all. We're praying of breaking ground in this coming year, 2018. And I wonder if we might dream together of roofs for all under this roof. What if our longings were the longings of the wilderness, the longings for a new way to live together, a new way to order life? What if the God of the back alleys, the God of people that are too often thrown away, the God of the wrong side of the tracks, the God of the wilderness, knows that we all in our hearts and lives long for the same thing, home, sanctuary, which I say is safe space. Beloved had the honor of being the first declared sanctuary in the new sanctuary movement for people whose lives and families are threatened on a daily basis? What if we are all just dreaming and longing for home where we can sink our roots down deeply? What if we long for something bigger and more beautiful than what Washington or Wall Street or the mall can sell us or our daily frenzy can offer? What if we are longing to breathe together, to be a new community, to listen collectively to the voice that fills our souls, the one who is ultimately our home? What if we are just crazy enough to believe that in the great reversal, we will find life? Isn't that what Advent is all about? So I encourage you, go seek out Crazy John. Be turned around like I was by Crazy Lisa. Stop and talk to Mary and Joe outside the dollar store. Turn toward the voices on the outside, the voices in the wilderness, and do what the poet Mary Oliver pens. Kneel down into the world of the invisible. Then you will be like the wanderer who has come home. 
Amen.